Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Margie. And this is Jerry. And uh, let's pray and we're going to dive into our topic. Father God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for that this is your day. You're, you're the one in control of all things. You're good and you're good all the time. And I pray now that you would secure the perimeters of our time and space with this uh, radio show. The people who are listening, that they'll have ears to hear. The people whose uh, hearts will be open to understand that you bring encouragement Lord God, that you'd connect the dots. You sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, to create truth and, and lead us to all truth and triumph. And so, Father, in this world of wickedness and evil deceptions, we pray that your Spirit would work mightily within us. We bind the powers of darkness who would bring confusion and scattering, bringing perplexity and discouragement. We bind and forbid him, even the ones who would bring chaos or even um, try to divide and, and uh, remove people from listening to this broadcast, Lord God, with distractions or worry. We bind and forbid you, enemy, to conduct your, in conducting your operation against us. And Lord God, we thank you for the protection of your Holy Spirit, the promise of your word that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that we are under the covering and the protection of your Holy Spirit, your word, your promise that you have sealed us unto the day of redemption. And Lord God, we pray this divine covering and protection over everything that pertains to us and our families and those who are listening tonight, their families and the extension of your kingdom, Lord God. And we thank you for giving us strength. You said the way of the Lord is strength for the upright. So, going on tonight in our topic, Father, we pray that you lead us and give us your understanding because many people are giving up on God. Jerry, what do you have to say about that? Well, a lot of people have have given up on God. Um, and, and, and people are looking... I meet a lot of people that, you know, they've had... Um, some exposure of various kind, of God. one kind mm-hmm. or another, to the God of the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, but they are looking other places. They're yeah, looking well, for something, something other than uh, God. They've they've found something. Maybe they've been disappointed. Well, dis- they probably there. got maybe exposed to maybe a, a church situation where there was a lot of religion. Uh, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. you know ceremony Program, or rituals or programs practices. and so forth, but Lodge. not much God. And so they're not equating what they've seen in 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 their church with God. That's really true. And there's a lot of you know there's a lack of love and there's a lack of understanding of relationship actually. And so a lot of people have substituted religion for God. But even in our spirits and even understanding that God made us in the beginning to recognize and resonate with the truth, I think people are restless and, and not seeing um, what they have come to expect or believe that God was willing to do, even though the Bible is full of stories of people who have had discouraging moments and years of affliction, uh, and these were mighty men and women of God. But giving up on God, I think it kind of centers around, for me anyway, it centers around answers to prayer or lack thereof. 
uh, a, lot, a lot of it is that, you know, I prayed and nothing happened. I prayed and prayed. Uh, my, I've heard this many mm-hmm. times. For example, my wife had cancer. I prayed. We prayed. Our church prayed. Yep. And she got worse and she died. And yep. those stories where's, are, where's God? Well, I think those kinds of stories are more common um, than the miraculous God heard my prayer, answers to prayer with that kind of celebration, rejoicing, deliverance. There's a lot of people that are living with a lot of bitterness, I think, and even bitterness that they might, if honestly, uh, if they, they really look at it, they'd probably believe it's bitterness towards God because he, it was unfair. They served him, they gave, they believed, they did what they were told to do, and God just did not come through. And a lot of times what happens is that, you know, God is... And prayer becomes uh, a last-ditch effort than a, than a first resort. Right. It's a last resort rather than the first resort. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so oftentimes uh, many people are, are really not serving God on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. Mm-hmm. So, But in a well, crisis, they will cry out to God. Yeah, but, but see, I think people don't understand even what it means to serve God every day. Uh, in a normal, everyday, ordinary, committed way, because um, they've been taught that it's an emotion, it's a feeling, it's a high, um, it's self-discipline, it's effort, it's keeping commandments, it's, um, you know, doing certain things. But I still believe that a lot of people are very discouraged. And number one, we can go back to a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so, when we were talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of grace mercy and truth as opposed to a gospel of, of be good, um, give up, get, get, feel guilty, get mad, and go away. And the, the, the struggle a lot of people have is, is, is just what you're saying, uh, Margie, uh, is the living for God on a daily basis mm-hmm. in the day-to-day right. routines Ordinary. of life mm-hmm. with our family, with our day-to-day situations, emotions, mm-hmm. uh, uh, things that... Um, well, uh, distract us, things that, that drive us, uh, you know, things that come against us from other people even, and just from just from the whole uh, routine of life. The question is, how do you follow the Lord Jesus in the midst of all those kinds of things? And I think a lot of people are not very well equipped. They would like to. Mm-hmm. They would, you know, they like to follow mm-hmm. God. And some people say, well, I, you know, I try to follow God. Yeah. They might say, well, I try to follow the Ten Commandments, but you know, I, 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 mean, I try no, to do perfect. my best, so it's be trying, perfect, trying, yeah. and it, it, there's failure that comes. Uh, you know, if, you, if you try, 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 you're going to fail, fail, fail. And then the devil accuses you of, of failing and that you are guilty and deserve to be punished where you're guilty. So if you're guilty, the guilt says, I don't deserve good things, I am bad, and I deserve to be, to be punished. And so... The, the prayers, answers to prayer of faith, um, the Bible says in Hebrews, um, uh, or James, I'm sorry, you know, ask in faith, n- nothing wavering. He that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, what you're talking about, well, we're going we're gonna to cover those subjects tonight. But we're going to in- encourage the people who might be having a question in this area already or struggling, or maybe you know someone who is, to call us at 347-215-8051, 347-215-8051. If you have a question on a different subject, we're open to that too. So don't you know, think you just, oh my, I don't 
have anything here, but I really want to say something. So, so a lot of people, this is where a lot of people are at. They're giving up on God and they're looking for God to be something in their life that he has, you know, he's the, he's the magic answer, the magic bullet. He's the cure all. And God has got another agenda for being in our life. And it is not necessarily to just make us comfortable. It is to train us up in righteousness and make us more than conquerors. He calls us uh, soldiers, warriors. Uh, Paul says, I fought a good fight. We're, we're kind of in a different mode and mentality. Our expectations of God are different than what he is committed to doing in our life. So it causes people, as I see it, to stop and stumble and get stunted. They're, they're stunted and they don't want to pursue God because pursuing God is too hard or there's a lot of lies we can talk about and we'll get to those in a bit. But um, So really... This thing about giving up on God and the discouragement and disillusionment and bitterness that it creates really, I think, comes from not understanding trials, not understanding suffering. A lot of people, too, do, you know, have a very uh, uh, warped uh, concept of God mm-hmm. that God is impossible to please. He's mm-hmm. very distant. Mm-hmm. He's very crabby. How can we really relate to him? Mm-hmm. And really, you know, and he's got is, all these, and he's got all these big hard rules for us to follow that we right, can't right. follow anyway. But you know, God sent His only Son Jesus for for us to to uh, people that were there when He was here mm-hmm. in, in in His human body for those three and a half years were exposed to the heart and nature of God. Mm-hmm. So, so if and we what get, did we see Jesus doing in those three and a half years? Well, they they saw Jesus. You know, relating to every mm-hmm. everybody from yeah. from uh, children to well, prostitutes to tax collectors to sinners. to kings, uh, uh, you know, people at all lepers. He was accepting them. Yeah, he was loving them. He was accepting them. He was calling them to repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was he was right there, uh, revealing mm-hmm. the the heart of the Father. Yeah, one of, one of the places I think he most reveals it is Matthew chapter 12, where he's in a kind of a battle, a verbal battle anyway, with the Pharisees, and they've been dogging him for some time now. And um, they're getting, trying to set him up so they can, you know, catch him, trap him in the law or breaking the law. And, um, you know, they set this, uh, I think the guy had the, the withered hand on the Sabbath. They set him up in the front bench and was going to see what Jesus was going to do, but before that, Jesus said, you know, he says, um, uh, you know, they, they were scolding him and the disciples for for harvesting grain, working on the Sabbath by running their hands through the grain fields as they were walking along the path and just stripping some of the grain and just throwing it in their mouth and they were calling that work. But uh, So they were scolding Jesus for that. And Jesus said, well, I got one, a better one than that. Look what David did when he was hungry. He went right into the temple and ate showbread and whoa, whoa, whoa. That is an absolute And only, only the priests were to eat the show. Yeah. So. But then he goes on, but my, the line I, would, I was trying to get to was, um, he, he says, you know it's not lawful to eat that, but the priests do it. He says, and they work on the Sabbath. Um, you know, they had to do all the, the uh, sacrifices and stuff. That's, and they're blameless. He says, but he says, if you would understand what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the guiltless. In other words, they were always looking for a way to condemn people um, and, and, and accuse people of breaking God's law, therefore bringing the, the person into a place of uh, disqualifying them for an answer to prayer, just you know, making them feel bad, guilty, no good, etc. 
But Jesus says, I'd rather have mercy than sacrifice. I'd rather have you love one another and, and show mercy than to hold each other to this, um, you know, this legalistic, hard-nosed tradition that just, you know, makes men less than sheep because ultimately their argument boiled down to it's okay for you to pull a sheep out of the pit on the Sabbath, but not a man cannot be healed on the Sabbath. This kind of shows you how ridiculous the law had pushed them to. Uh, and Jesus didn't come to give us rules and more rules. And so we had mm-hmm. basically God's basic Rule. rules were to love God mm-hmm. with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And his laws were and, in our heart. And, our, and then Jesus said, our neighbor is ourself. Yeah. Basically, it goes right down to that. Simple now, how, how, do we, how do we love? We can, only, we can love. You know, there's human affection. Then there's uh, uh, the love of God, mm-hmm. which uh, is uh, is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who comes in to make reality, make it a reality, this walking in the Spirit, loving God, serving God. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes in to do that. Yes. And yes. so that is, you know, God's made a way for us, even when we couldn't do it ourselves. Yeah, and, um, and the thing is, so, so the thing is, it's a connection, a relationship. Now, this is something that sometimes people think it's like... Uh, they need ooh, to know God loves them. It's, yeah, it's and a, all the circumstances don't look like that. Right. So some people think, well, you know, it's, it's how do you uh, abide Get in God. Christ? Yeah. How, how, do you, mm-hmm. how do you have that connection? Well, mm-hmm. it's a connection of a, a relationship. Um, in mm-hmm. a sense, the rules... Can I, can I stop you? With you asked the question, how do I abide in Christ? Well, how does a branch abide in a tree? It just does. It doesn't figure it out, go to school to try to be a branch and learn how to abide in a tree and apply certain uh, you know, techniques and, and remedies and, and formulas. A branch just abides in a tree because that's what a branch does. Mm-hmm. And, and we abide in Christ when the Holy Spirit comes in and he's abiding in us, we're abiding in him. Well, it's, it's, then it's no longer a question of how do I? It is. It is there. It is done. You don't... And a lot of people, I think they're spending all their time going it, to these, how do I, hard. how do I, how do I, how do I, yeah, and, and, and how do I get closer to God? Really how do I know? It's, yeah. it's like, you know, there's, there's a relationship, there's a communication. A flowing of life. Yeah. And, and really, it's a matter of, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to his voice, listen to his word, yeah, the Holy people. Spirit is there in you to cultivate, mm-hmm. you know, the, one of the things but, that we... But people say then, well, how do I? know the voice of God. How do I? It's always back to me trying to figure it out because the devil puts it there. He wants it to be me trying to figure it out, you know, the formula. So then the devil is happy to give us a formula that we get busy working on and has nothing to do with anything. Because if I'm a bean plant growing in the, in the garden and I keep pulling on my leaves and say to myself constantly, how do I become a bean plant? How do I be a bean plant? When I am a bean plant. Being, being a new creation. Now you're uh, there's all kinds of voices in the world. You know, come here, do this, do that. Satan, demons speak to people constantly okay. in their minds. So now, there is something, how do we sort this out? Well, wait, wait. Before we sort it out, there's no sorting until you become um, born again. You know, un- unto that, up to that point and until that point, we're simply, we belong to the devil and we're, we're enslaved, we're uh, held captive in, in his kingdom. But once we do what the Bible says, you know, accept the Lord Jesus Christ, believe he died on the cross, Romans 10, 9, and 10, confess it with our mouths, then we're saved. At that point, 
it's, you know, the baby doesn't ask, how do I be born? How do I get out of this womb and through this birth canal and into the world? How do I? He doesn't do that. She doesn't do that. All they do is just abide and the process is already set in motion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's not about them struggling to figure it out. And and one of of the things, too, is a lot of people and and just uh, for those that may be listening today, there's uh, there's the new birth, which is the new, you know, in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So when you put your faith in Jesus, you change your mind, you say, yes, you know, I'm not going to do it on my own here. I'm going to trust Jesus to be my Savior, trust him completely, Mm-hmm. There's a miracle that takes place. There's a, there's a, uh, the, the, your spirit, like you say, Marjorie, your spirit, man, is 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 lit. Your candle is lit. The spirit of the Lord, uh, spirit is the candle. Man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inner yeah. rooms of the heart. Mm-hmm. So there's a new life there uh, that comes. The Holy Spirit comes. You made new. You made alive, and it's that's where you get your. Uh, Beginning. Uh, beginning, but but the baby is brought home from the hospital and the baby is fed in the mm-hmm. in the natural. You feed the baby baby food or milk or whatever you feed the baby, and of course the baby will grow de- de- depending good or bad depending on what kind of food that baby eats. And so these new believers have to eat the 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 milk, well, eat and drink the milk of the word, right, the word of God, right? The word of God. rightly divided, rightly divide the word of truth. So the so what script, does that mean? The scriptures. That means to, to uh, put everything according to its proper perspective and proper context. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, so the Word of God Fits is really is the voice of God to us. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the Word of God. As you read the Scriptures, uh, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Scriptures. For example, if you don't um, say, for example, you have a novel written by some famous novelist, okay? Mm-hmm. If you you read you you read through a part of that novel and you don't quite understand what's going on, you don't know why or how how does this work? If you could just email or text or call that author and said, you know, I'm really puzzled. What did you mean? Mm-hmm. Why did you say yeah. this? And he said, oh yeah, well, it's because of this and this and this. So if there's something in the scriptures that we don't understand and we study in context. Uh, every, the, the, well, the, the the word we can go to the author who is the Holy Spirit well, that, and the yeah. Holy Spirit will show us he will he's come Jesus said he's come to lead us into all, all truth, truth. Mm-hmm. well you know the thing is and that goes right back to the first question of what about what about all this bad stuff that happens to me what about all the prayers that I've been waiting for years to get answered what I don't understand your word says for example Matthew 15:7 or well, John 15:7 I'm sorry seven. yeah John yeah, John 15:7 If you abide in me and my word abide in you you shall ask, ask what, what you will, will or desire and it shall be done so, period that's that seems pretty straightforward it doesn't seem so, like there should be any caveats to that it just means it just seems like okay It seems like there's no qualification there right. if it's or a matter of abiding which means to be okay. continuing in, in so the then, Lord in but, Jesus but, but. and in His Word, then you ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Okay, and there's it's a lot clear. of them like that. John fourteen fourteen says, Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know, period. Okay, 
big, long, you know, list of uh, preliminary qualifications to get that done. And yet, at the same time, God looks like a liar a lot of times because we, you know, we're supposed to believe by faith, receive exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think. Uh, faith, faith is the evidence of things not seen, you know, the things that we hope for. Um, so what, what is it? And we need to really look at this whole trial of our faith and how this fits into prayers that don't get answered or don't get answered the way we've asked them or asked for them to be answered. So, so that people will stop being mad at God and giving up and, and start working with the process instead of fighting the process. Let's, let's look at this for, let's look at the abiding. Okay. It's continuing. Mm -hmm. What, what is that? uh, What does that look like practically? Uh, day by day, uh, abiding in Him. I, I mean, it, it, or continuing. Well, it in basically him. What, means. What is what is what is that? Because it, it seems like, obviously, here that is the key to getting prayers answered according to the mm-hmm. way we've. Well, asked there's them. another first in First John chapter three. I forget chapter five. It says, "If we ask anything according to His will, okay, we know that He hears us, and if we know that He hears us." We know that we have the things that we've asked of him. Now, and I think it's Ephesians 5.17 says, Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Mm-hmm. So there, it, it looks like here, there has to be a, an understanding of the will of the Lord. And the abiding is asking what you will. There is an alignment here mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. our will and God's will. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a synchronization there. Now, and oftentimes what happens is our will is, is contrary to the will of God. Um, our we human nature will. And, and, you know, yeah, because, because we, we, are, we tend to be, uh, even some of the most meek of us tend to be headstrong. We want it our way. Like Frank not used to saying, I, I did it my way. Okay. We want to do it that way. But the, the thing is, is that a lot of times people give up on God because they're going to have to do everything now that I don't want to do. Yeah. Because God, God's will is so against my will that why should well, I do that? Because I have an agenda here, and, and God know, is, is going to hear, be here to spoil it. I know there's some that. people. We have been taught to believe that. not well, but, but Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. Obviously, the enemy is in there to try to um, divide, conquer, conflict, um, the will of God within us by creating a, a division, a contest, a debate between the will of God and what he presents to us through our soul as our will. If you reduce it really down and look at it clearly, you, you want to do the will of God. You're built to want to do the will of God. Paul says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is not me doing it. So the devil's in there doing stuff in and through our will, our minds, our souls, our hearts, and getting us to embrace it as our will, when in fact, if we would be wise, we say, wait a minute, I'm doing something I don't want to do. I don't want to resist God. I don't want to, uh, you know, waver in my faith. I don't want to, you know, be bitter against God. That's not me. So but people, say, but say, see, we, we've been trained religiously to believe it's our will. We need to take responsibility and uh, self-discipline or discipline ourselves, which is not working. And what happens is, to, is there needs to be a realization that Satan is constantly, you know, speaking. God, God, I, here's two things. Yes, of course. God is, God is speaking to us. 
I believe God is speaking to us a lot, okay? Satan is also speaking to us a lot. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of folks, you know, they think that their thoughts are uh, their thoughts. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a very, it's so ingrained in us, we don't even think of it we, we as don't, a possible we don't, we don't think about, opportunity for the devil to deceive us. So we don't think about our thoughts. No, we we think we our thoughts. Well, that's just we me. We assume there are thoughts, and there's there's influence. On the, realizing that all of us live in the context of this tremendous spiritual war that's going on, and people, yeah, again, people think that that they just that has been so minimized in people's understanding that if you even talk about the devil, uh, you're talking about him too much. If you talk about what Jesus told us to do, cast out demons, you say, well, that's not for today. Um, but look at in First John, it says, chapter 5, verse 14, and this is the Amplified, and this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will or in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. And since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us we have granted as our present possessions the request made of him. That we have, in other words, we have been granted or we have been given that the things we have, that we made requests, and we will get those things. Now, and people say, well, that, you know, maybe you've got to be super spiritual to get that. Well, but you have to realize in this battle, the spiritual war that we're, we're going through, the temptation is for us to not come with boldness, not come with assurance, come with, you know, feelings of guilt and uncertainty um, rather than come and say, you know what, Lord, this is what's going on, and uh, I believe you, you are good, and you're good all the time, and this is what I need. Even, even if you look in the Bible, and I really want to get to some of the great men and women of God who struggled with these very things that we struggle with, and we would definitely agree that they're, you know, if nothing else, we'll agree that they, we know their names, they're famous enough to be put in the Bible, they got through it. God commended them. They made it through. And yet their struggles were as severe as ours. I'm going to read a couple of verses this week. God was showing me in chapter 19 of Job. I'm going to go to Job and Jeremiah. And both of those guys were extremely, um, they're very uh, well known. Um, both of them loved God and, and were serving God. And yet this is what, and we know the story behind the scene. On Job, I think the same is true of Jeremiah, but we don't have it so articulated. But in Job 19, he says, Then Job answered and said, How long will you torment my soul? Now he's, And break me in pieces with words. These ten times you have reproached me. Are you not ashamed that you have wronged me? He's talking to these uh, three friends of his who just blasted him with accusation. And if indeed I have erred, my error remains with me. If indeed you magnify yourselves against me and plead my disgrace against me, know then that God has wronged me and has surrounded me with his net. Now he's switching from you know, their accusations to saying I'm, I'm righteous and if there's something going on here that's not right, that God has surrounded me with his net. Okay, now listen to how he describes the net. Think of your own net, okay? What have you been trying to do, getting done, can't get done, uh, withstood, obstructed, hindered, um, you know, corrupted, cheated out of, what is it that, what's the net look like in your life? He says, if I cry out concerning wrong, I'm not heard. Okay, so here we go. God doesn't hear me. I've prayed this how many times? I mean, 
when you're sitting there praying and crying to God and even reading his word back to him, the temptation is to believe from the devil, of course, that spirit of doubt and self-doubt, that I'm not being heard, that God doesn't listen to me, God isn't hearing me. If I cry aloud, there is no justice. And how many of us have said that? I can't wait for the vindication, the justice of God. How many of you have seen something that just, just makes you so mad because it is so wrong and it may have nothing to do with you, it may have nothing to do with it may be something you're seeing done to another person, and yet it is incredibly evil and wrong, and, mm-hmm. it, and you say, there's no justice. Now he goes on, verse 8. He has fenced up my way so that I cannot pass. Okay, you're trapped. Okay, walled off. There doesn't seem to be a solution. I, I have no choice. There's nothing I can do. These kinds of things come to our mind. Um, there's no way out. I, you know, I can't make these people let me go. I can't. I can't. I can't. So we feel very trapped. I cannot pass. And he has set darkness in my path. So you feel you're in a wilderness. There's no light, no hope, no reason to get up in the morning. We start to get the spiritual depression or spiritual anxiety. So we have this, we're fighting these feelings at the same time we're wrestling without unbelief and fear um, to be strong in our faith. And he says, he has stripped me of my glory. Well, the opposite of glory is shame. So when people are going through trials a lot of times, and those can be financial trials, those can be sickness. And after a while, people, they don't consider you a victorious soldier or someone they want to hang around. They really don't want to be by you because you are pulling them down. You're making them feel bad and guilty. So you're, you're kind of moving into a place of being shunned and shame. The glory has fallen from your head, um, and, and you take on a crown of shame, and shame says, I'm bad. I must have done something bad. Of course, the devil's making that argument in your head constantly. This is your mm-hmm. fault. You've done something wrong. Then he says, he breaks me down on every side and I am gone. There you have it. I'm nothing. I'm out of here. I don't care if I live or die. This is too hard. My hope, my hope, he has uprooted like a tree. Huh. There you have it. Uprooted my life, my soul, my ambitions, my dreams, my family, Everything, gone, gone, gone. I'm dead. I'm done. And this is kind of where God brings us a lot of times to this place of complete surrender and I'm gone. He says, my hope, he has uprooted like a tree. He has also kindled his wrath against me. So Job, not knowing that the devil is behind all this stuff, can only attribute it to God. But he doesn't understand because he still knows that God is good and there must be a reason for this. And all he can probably figure out is that God is testing him but he, here he says he's kindled his wrath against me and how do you think you're ever going to get a prayer answered if you're feeling like god is mad at you there's just no way if you think god's mad at you doesn't here the reason we don't get prayers answers because we don't know that we are loved we don't know that jesus is in that affliction with us at the same moment and he's with us we feel abandoned by him it says and he counts me as one of his enemies his troops come together and build up their road against me then camp all around my tent this is Job, this is where a lot of people are. You know, they may not be as articulate as Job. They may not even sit and think about it as much as Job because after a while, we just want to escape. We want to deny. We go away. We do something else. We're done with this God thing. We're done with trying to get the prayer answer. We give up on it and we just go away. All right. Then he says in verse 13, he has removed my brothers far from me and my acquaintances. How about your family? Where are they at? Are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed. And my close friends have forgotten me. So you're definitely alone in this mess. And nobody's there to comfort you except some miserable comforters like Job had. Those who dwell in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. 
I am an alien in their sight. I'm called, my, I call my servants and they don't give me any answer. There's, there's no response. He can't even get his servants to pay attention to. He's not even getting his prayers answered from them. Get me a cup of water, whatever. I beg him with my mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. In other words, everything about me is cursed and bad, and even my wife can't stand me. And I have, I'm repulsive to the children of my own body. Even the young children despise me. Nobody wants to be by him. You feel sorry for yourself. You feel alone. You feel abandoned. You feel, you know, God has just deserted you. Jesus said it kind of, he said it on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he says, all my close friends abhor me, and those whom I love have turned against me. My bones cling to my skin, the skin of my flesh. I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. That's where we get that expression. But then he goes on to say, have pity on me, have pity on me, you my friends, for the hand of the Lord has struck me. Why do you persecute me as, as God does and are not satisfied with my flesh? In other words, he's saying, isn't it bad enough that God has allowed all these things to come on me and you have to add to it? You couldn't, couldn't you take the high road and show me some love and support rather than coming to be my correctors? Then he says in verse 23, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, oh that I could write this down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Guess what? They got inscribed in a book, Job. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. For I know in the midst of all this, all this whining, carrying on, misery, complaining, um, trying to figure it out. He says, for I know that my Redeemer lives and and he shall stand at last on the earth. In other words, Jesus is coming back. I know he lives. Now, his Redeemer, Jesus hadn't even died on the cross yet. So this is a pow- powerful revelation. Mm-hmm. And then he says, um, and after my skin is destroyed, I, this I know, that in my flesh I will see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. You know, how, if you should say, how shall we persecute him, since the root of the matter is not found in me? Be afraid of the, swords for your, of the sword for yourself. He's saying back to his friends. For the wrath brings punishment of the sword, that you may know there is a judgment. In other words, he's saying, I know my Redeemer lives. I know this thing is going to turn out right, fair, just. So Job, in the midst of, I mean, the description is very eloquent, very detailed, and I'm sure it fits a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Job was still inside of his spirit saying, I know my Redeemer lives. This is called courage. This is called faith right here. Not a perfect circumstance, but perfect attitude in a bad circumstance. Perfect attitude in a bad circumstance, and and that's what the, this uh, life of faith is all about. It's about trusting God even when you don't understand things. Now, Job was not aware of the behind the scenes stuff that Satan right. was pulling. But God gave it to us to understand. God it. gave it to us to help understand. He pulled back the curtain mm-hmm. and let us see the behind the scenes. Now, the behind the scenes are still going on, even for us today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so well remember you know i gotta just add to that you know jesus said to peter satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat but i have prayed for you so obviously satan targets those that, that he your feels, faith will yeah. not yeah and that when you are converted you'll strengthen, strengthen your, your brother. brother so so it's just god you takes know, us you know, to the P- wire peter uh, he peter the... did fail you know he he failed mm-hmm. uh god god knew he Jesus knew Peter was going to fail. From the, said, you know, from the beginning of eternity. Failing doesn't make you a failure. No. And he says, as long as your faith does not fail. So there was, there was Peter came to repentance, 
and he came to to faith but and, and trusted. I, I really believe that that it was the Holy Spirit supporting and up, undergirding Peter, and all of us that caused the faith to not fail. It's nothing Peter did because actually Judas and Peter basically sinned the same sin, but what happened was Peter accepted the grace. Judas and Peter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I say that wrong? I think you said that. Okay, Judas and Peter. Yeah, <laughs> Judas. Basically, the Judas Judas, yeah. basically. Well, he, uh, he was, the Lord. was remorseful. Peter was repentant. Remorseful. Right. They both were probably re- remorseful. Peter. Yeah, they were both remorseful. But Peter was repentant. He changed his mind. He, he humbled, humbled himself. himself. And and, Jesus, but, but but Judas gave up. He, he just gave said, up. "There's no hope. He I said, can't be no restored." Yeah. Uh, there's no reaction. I failed too bad. And and look at the results. I mean, he ends up committing he suicide. He believed a lie that took him out yeah, completely. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when we fail or or you know realize that a lot of your tests are. It's not because God doesn't like you. It's not because you've sinned. It's because the devil hates you, and God is allowing the devil to test his workmanship in you. Here's the principle here as we, as we talk about prayer, that, you know, if we, what you read there in First John, if mm-hmm. we uh, know ask that he according hears us, to yeah. his will, we know that he hears us, okay? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people are praying to know the will of God mm-hmm. rather than praying in the will of God. Now, it's, there are times where we maybe don't know what the will of God is, but we're to find out. Well, we know God he is said, a God e- of goodness. E- yeah, Ephesians 5.17, as we talked about earlier. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the Lord, will of the Lord is. And we ask according to his will. So there's a time for say, Lord, what is your will? But then when we when when we know the will of God, let's pray according to well, his will. Well, here's the deal. we got to go back to, you know, when Jesus was here, he always did the will of the Father. And everything Jesus did, there's not one thing Jesus did when the people came to him and asked for a, a healing or a prayer or deliverance or whatever food. There's not one thing where he gave them something, a, a, a rock for a, a, a piece yeah, of it. He, he, never, he never let them down. He never you know, said, well, I can't heal you today because your faith isn't strong enough. Or, you know, I can't heal you today because your church attendance hasn't been all that great. Um, come back tomorrow after you've, you know, See, that's That's one of the most ridiculous noise. teachings. It's like, oh, we don't, we have to have enough faith. We have to achieve a certain level, level of faith yeah, yeah, or something. before God uh, will hear and will answer. I mean, so, all, all it takes is enough faith to, to cry out to the Lord. Well, that's what we do. We cry out. But at the same time, knowing the will of the Lord. If God is good, then God loves goodness. He loves justice. He loves mercy. He loves truth. He loves restoration. He loves relationships that are in, in harmony. He loves goodwill. He loves, you know, reconciliation. He loves restoration. Um, so when you're praying according to God's will, you can pray for these things with absolute confidence. You know, God, bring, bring justice here. God, bring restoration. And Lord, show me if there's a lie or a, a way that Satan is, holding me in an agreement with something that I don't want. For example, doing something contrary to my will. If I'm believing, for example, that uh, here's a couple of the lies I think that really come up and play a, a lot of um, havoc with getting answers to prayer, if I can just read through them and then we can go back and talk about them. But he says, um, you know, the devil makes his argument. i got to say this. The devil makes his argument more reasonable than faith. Faith is not normal it's not logical it's not reasonable faith is ridiculous faith faith is you know beyond reason you know can i can i just you know for example can i just give this illustration 
the first guys who, you know, discovered gravity, you know, and that you drop something and it falls. It's the gravity pulls it down to the earth. Galilee or wherever it was. Okay, so then the next guy comes along and says, I believe I can put um, uh, 200 tons of metal and aluminum in a tube in the air and load it down with fuel and suitcases and bodies and and control the trajectory and flight of this tube uh, and it won't crash to the ground and I can move it from point A to point B safely and we call that an airplane. Now, we today do not think anything to about getting in an airplane. Most of us, we have airplane faith. We get in, we mm-hmm. take a nap, we don't worry about it falling down. And yet it's ridiculous if you totally only believe that gravity existed and there was no aerodynamics. Faith says it doesn't make sense. Faith, but, but say Satan says, well, it's got to be reasonable. Look, here's, here's a reason why it can't work. Here's a reason why God can't answer that prayer. Number one, um, nothing ever changes. You know, it is what it is. It's never going to change. Um, so what are, you, what are you thinking that you're going to get out of this pit? You're going to get well. You're going to get, uh, you know, out of debt, out of poverty. You're going to, uh, your family's going to be reconciled. This loved one's going to get saved. What may, it's, it's, it's never changed. It, nothing ever changes, you know. Or, or um, well, well, let's pause there for a moment. What about, you know, what about our experiences in life, Okay. Now, we, we learn a lot through our experiences, okay? And sometimes we learn people have had experiences there and they say, you know what, I'm never, ever going to do that again. Right. And sometimes That's they end up doing something. it, sometimes they don't. So it's like a vow. But, but it could be training what us about, to say the wrong thing. What about just our experiences of life? You know, uh, uh, you know you've learned, some people learn that life is hard, Uh that you can't trust anybody. Well, wait, wait, wait. Uh, can we say this? They have been taught. They have been taught that life is hard. They have been taught you can't trust because of their experiences. Because they have been, the ex- they have been trained. They have been conditioned, trained, in, programmed, even, right, even, by those experiences. Now, who's behind? Who's the programmer? Who's the trainer? Who's the handler here? Well, Satan is Well, he is. And what are you trying to train us to do? To go back to our experiences so that he can, he can train you, program us to react always in the same certain so, way. So really, uh, in, uh, in naturally, yeah. we're, we're trained not to live by faith. Absolutely correct. We're trained to live kind of by our, our wits or our, feelings, our, our emotions or feelings our experiences. to survive. The opinions uh, of others. The opinions of others. So we're we're kept in the mm-hmm. in the in the um the herd. Satan wants to keep us in the herd. The world, the worldliness, the hopelessness, the herd of uh, nothing ever changes. And if we want to break out, you know, then we're hit with something like I can't do it, or I can't make it. There's something. There's something it. about our experiences that mm-hmm. that can result in wisdom even from God. But a lot of times what well, happens I, is what we just, like like you're saying, is that we get programmed. Well, well we get programmed. Where, and then, and then the enemy himself, the devil comes and teaches us the lesson from it. I'm never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. That was stupid. What was I thinking? Um, you know, this it is what it is. It never changes. Look, it hasn't changed for 30 years. Who do you think you are? See, this is reason talking. Mm-hmm. You know, be reasonable. What do you think you are? You never, you know, you can't do that. That's not, that's not practical. That's not possible. It's not practical. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. Right. And then he, he throws proven. in our emotions. He puts the drag on us, makes, takes away hope, makes us feel bad, inferior, incapable, 
uh, like we're failing and that God's mad at us. And then you have, he keeps us going like a dog chained to a tree. Mm-hmm. You just go round and round in that circle. You may tie yourself up with the chain, but you're not going to get away. And one thing, you know, if you notice, if you study the scriptures carefully, all the great people in the Bible, from, you know, you think of uh, uh, Abraham, Moses, the prophets, uh, Peter, James, John, Jesus, yeah. Paul. They were uh, unusual. You, you look at all these people. They're unreasonable. These great people. They, they're, they're asked, the prophets, Gideon, they're asked to do unusual, unreasonable things mm-hmm. at the command of God. Absolutely. And, 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 and people will look and say, you, you're crazy, you can't do yeah. this, you're yeah. not qualified for yeah. this, this is not practical, mm-hmm. who do you think you are? No. Yeah. But, but see, they did it in obedience and stepped out, they stepped out in faith, and God gave them mm-hmm. great answers, mm-hmm. uh, no. m- miraculous answers, but they did it, you know, they, they understood, Can I, they might not understand everything about the will of God, they understood they enough for them to step out, and, and they saw God working so powerfully and so dramatically. So in order to see powerful answers to prayer, you have, you have to understand the will of God, at, at least some of it, enough okay. to step out, okay. and then as you step out in that, God will sustain that with his mighty power. That's what he did for Moses and all those guys because they were in the will of God. But but we have to remember, too, that the devil is wily, and he will come sounding like God or like the Holy Spirit and get people to do some pretty stupid, outlandish things, thinking they're also taking these wonderful steps of faith when they're actually listening to the devil who's setting them up to fall flat on their face and look foolish. Mm-hmm. And so you're absolutely right. We do need to. And, but the men of God, the women of God who stepped on in faith didn't usually want to do it. They weren't there trying to make a big name for themselves. They were there saying, I don't want to. I can't speak. Uh, send somebody else. Um, I'm not, you know, they would, you know, I will be done. But, you know, I'm like even Mary. Uh, I'm just young. I haven't known a man, blah, blah, blah. So there's, they're not they were not being presumptuous, yeah, or, although some people could look at their lives and say they could say that they were presumptuous, which they were not. Well, they they but they walked in uh, hand in hand with God, but there's another lie that you know I, I can't do it, I can't make it. In other words, implying it's up to me to make these changes. Then on the other side of that torture rack, I I, I it's too hard. Um, me 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 me. It's up to me. I can't trust anybody else. I got to do it myself. And if anything reduces down to you or me, it's going to be a failure. If it reduces down to Christ, it's fine. And another thing, too, is that people think, you know, oh, I don't deserve this sort of thing. Well, grace is all about not deserving. Well, you know, and they're probably right. You don't deserve to be beat up, uh, chewed up. Paul's talking, you know, where, um, how does he say that in First Corinthians chapter 4? i got to read it. If well, you, yeah. The, I mean, you know, there's a there lot things, of persecution that come. That come yeah. Evil things that come to us that we sure don't don't deserve, but that's part of the trial trial of our faith or persecution mm-hmm. and so forth. But but there are a lot of people that say, well, you know, I don't want to ask because maybe I'm being selfish. Um, well, that's, know, that's maybe really... I'm uh, you know I really that sounds like it's too good to be true. Uh, why why should I ask well, that? What you know. Well, let's let's look for a back for just a second on that one we were just talking about when people, um, you know, 
God's will, you know, walking in God's will uh, can be very difficult. Paul says in the first, second Corinthians chapter uh, 4, he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, verse 8, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. And then he goes on to say, um, uh, let's see, therefore we do not lose heart, verse 16, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we know this, that it is God's will to give us the kingdom. Be, you know, fear not, little flock, is your Father's will to give you the kingdom. But we also know that he gives us the kingdom, and through the giving of the kingdom, he's also at the same time um, causing us to decrease in Christ, to increase that the image of Christ might be formed and fashioned in us. So even though our outward man is perishing, and some of this stuff... We just, like like Job, you just patiently endure until uh, God has seen that there's enough, this is enough, and the devil's had enough of a chance here, and it's not working, and God is correct, and you stood the test. And so we do go through persecutions, and that's part of the answer to prayer. We have to understand that there's a process in answering prayer a lot of times, and part of the process, the delay, the waiting, the, is the withholding, at the, what it seems like a withholding, is for the purpose of, Perfecting that which concerns right. us. And the, see, we, we, we live in a, uh, a fast, fast world of instant gratification. We always got to have a faster computer, a faster, uh, a faster phone. Um, you know, it's speed, speed, speed. Uh, right. And uh, instant gratification. And there's so many things in our culture that, you know, I got to have it and I got to have it now. And if you say something to somebody, that was so 20 seconds ago. Uh, we, you know, the long-term, God is a long-term God. Mm -hmm. He can do things instantly and quickly, Mm -hmm. but he he is a long-term God. And that's the thing, too. It's like, well, you know, I've prayed for this now for 20 minutes and the the answer hasn't come. Or I paid for two days or two weeks or or 20 years years, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the answer still hasn't come. Well, when Abraham died, he still had not yet received technically the promised land. Yeah. As his own. So, so one of the things that gets people to give up is the, the wait. It's like the wait is too long mm-hmm. and to, for them. And they say, you know what, I, I'm not, I, I just can't wait anymore. Well, here's the bottom line, though. You know, it's not about me. It's not about me. If, you know, a lot of times they say, oh, God, do this and this and this. And we've named and listed what we want and described how we want God to help us do this and get this job. And um, we want this house and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the bottom line is he may know better than, obviously he does know better than us, that this may not be the good house. This may be a house full of mold, or this job may have all kinds of treacherous people working behind those cubicles that you'd have to be part of. But listen to this. He says, for we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, and ourselves merely as your servants or slaves for Jesus' sake. So if we get to the point when you're asking for something, you're not asking selfishly, you're not asking for me, you're you're, you're asking as a servant, Say, Lord God, we're your servants. We need this. We need this to continue the ministry, to, to complete the work, to um, break through this spiritual barrier. 
We're coming as your servants. You are the Lord. The Lord supplies the needs of the servants. You know, we're the soldiers. God has got to supply the bullets. And so you come with a whole different kind of a, a, a mindset rather than you owe me or I'm selfish or I don't deserve. We come in with God. We've got to have this because this is what's important for the war so that Jesus uh, will prevail against his enemies so that God's light can shine out of the darkness. So a lot of times um, this is how it, it looks. Can I read this um, again in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse, starting with uh, verse 8? In the Amplified, it's kind of interesting, and I love these verses. We are hedged in, pressed on every side. Are you feeling that way tonight? Troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. In other words, a lot of times they'll chide us or mock us or humiliate us because we are followers of Jesus Christ and we look like we're losers we look like we've lost. They look like they're prevailing. They've got the power. They've got the guns. They've got the, the system behind them. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but not deserted or stand to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out or destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same, putting to death that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered, so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be brought, shown forth by and in our bodies. For we who live are constantly experiencing being handed over to, for death, to death for Jesus' sake, that the resurrection life of Christ also may be evidenced through the flesh, which is liable to death. And he says, um, uh, Therefore, we do not become discouraged or utterly spiritless, exhausted and weary through, throughout, wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner man being progressively renewed day after day. For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. How about that? You know, that's since we consider and look not to the things which are seen, a lot of times we look for our prayers to be answered in a temporal way, and sometimes they really do need to be answered in a temporal way because God is practical, he's real, he knows we need certain things to live here too. Uh, but the things that are unseen, but the things which are visible are temporal, temporal, brief and fleeting, but the things which are invisible are deathless and everlasting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is too. We, we uh, the long-term... Effect. You know, effect. You know, and sometimes we think, okay, God, you have to answer. I need to know by, mm-hmm. you know, ten ten thirty tonight. Yeah, we get well, a deadline. Ma- once to in God. a while, maybe there is a time where like that. But mm-hmm. sometimes we set a timetable that um, uh, that is not God's timetable, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you have to trust that. Uh, to everything, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, to everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose unto heaven. Now, God is is really uh, a God of perfect timing. He's eternal. He's, he's an good. eternal God, he's good. but he is a God of perfect uh, timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of times, it's a like you mentioned earlier, Marjorie, uh, it's a good thing that God doesn't answer some of our prayers. Mm-hmm. Yes, the way we do. Um, because you know, you remember uh, uh, Elijah prayed, you know, God mm-hmm. just kill me. Yeah. Well, they almost God, a lot of them God said that. no. 
Job says, "I wish I, you know, I wish I would have never been born." Yeah, yeah. Jeremiah, you know, is talking. Yeah. So, so I mean, sometimes we just we pray things, and God says, "You know, um, uh, sorry that um, mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to do that." So, yeah. And and really, it's uh, well, it's you know, a matter of uh, we. And another thing too is that you know, there's always this uh, mystery of prayer and mystery of, it's called mystery of, of unanswered prayer. Mm-hmm. And often, my little theory, observation of this is that God always does answer prayer. And, and a, lot, a lot of times the answer can be yes, it can be no, or it can be later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it can be yes, later, it could be no later. It can be yes now. It can be no now. But you no, know, we, re- we got bottom line. No, number here, one. Here's God the is deal. Good. God is good. And listen, here's the old, the whole deal. Of faith. Is no. that God knows best. The old uh, way back in the fifties, there was this uh, TV show called Father Knows Best. And uh, well, it's true that our heavenly Father knows what's best, even though we mm-hmm. don't understand, even though it just seems like the answers well, are not coming the way we think they should come. Yeah, and Paul said the same thing. Here, listen to this exactly. First Corinthians 1, 8, he says, um, uh, he says, we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we um, despaired even of life. So let's look at that in the Amplified. He says, um, uh, let's see, 1 Corinthians 1.8. God is, is, is um, he will establish you to the end, keep you steadfast, give you strength, and guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation or indictment so that you will be guiltless, irreproachable in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever be true to his promise that he can be depended on. By him you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, that, so God wants, then he says, I urge you and treat you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in perfect harmony and in full agreement in what you say and that there be no dissensions or factions among you or divisions, but that you be perfectly united in your common understanding and in your opinions and judgments. Um, this is where the devil divides the church, but the devil can also divide us within ourselves, um, giving us, the confusion of setting us up in opposition to our own selves by putting our soul, which is our re- is is guarded guided by reason and experiences and emotions uh, against the spirit, which says, "Thus says the Lord," and trust in God, and God is good, and He will um, be faithful, reliable. He's trustworthy. He can be fully depend upon. Um, okay, and then uh, Margie, could you go to a uh, Second Corinthians, also Second Corinthians one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, maybe that would help me out. Okay, yeah, but that, what what you read there is 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 great, of course. And uh, but Second Corinthians. Oh yeah, it's pretty, one, eight, I want you to be through eleven. Yeah, this is amplified. amplified but we do not want you to be uninformed. The King James says, "I think ignorant." Mm-hmm. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and oppressing distress which befalls us in the province of Asia how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we despaired even of life itself. Well, there you have it. You're probably in company with Paul, which is pretty good company. 
Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death, but that was to keep us from tr- but that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. In other words, they would couldn't even be tempted to trust in themselves because they were that far gone and that driven into the ground and that beyond themselves and and that stuck in the situation. For it is he who rescued and saved us from such perilous death, and he will and he will still rescue and save us. In and on him we have set our hope, our joy, our con- confident expectation that he will again deliver us from danger and destruction and draw us himself. In other words, he did rescue us, he is rescuing us, and he will again rescue us. Or the the uh, the King James says deliver. He's, he is he has delivered, is delivering, and will deliver. Past, present, and future. So our deliverance is complete in him. While you also cooperate by your prayers for us, helping and laboring together with us, um, so that we can give thanks to God for the blessings of the deliverance granted to us. And you know what? Really, as believers, we have a right to expect God, depend upon God, to deliver us, to vindicate us, to rescue us, to save us, because he loves us. And you would do the same for your children. And are we better parents than God? Well, Jesus said, if, you know, what child among you, if you ask for your parent for a egg, is he going to give him a, if he's going to ask for bread, he's going to give him a stone? Mm-hmm. If he asks for a, a scorpion, I mean, a, a whatever, a piece of bread or whatever, you're going to give him a scorpion. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, uh, In other words. Yeah, if you're going to, if he asks for bread, you're going to give him a stone. And, and Jesus, and again, Prayer is rooted in trust in the goodness of God, mm-hmm. that he knows our need. He knows our needs better than you know, what we do. And so well, uh, just I just want to address uh, someone that would be listening today that really you're struggling with this is that God knows exactly what you need. He does hear your cry. Mm-hmm. And he is he is working. You're praying. You're crying out to him. Don't despair. God is hearing your cry. God is working in your behalf, even though you can't see it, even though things might seem to be getting worse and more complicated. It seems like all the deadlines have passed. God is at work, and he is bringing to pass his purpose, his way. There's always things about, no matter how much we understand about God and his will and his ways, there's always, you know, his uh, his ways. Uh, the scripture says are, are are past finding out. There's a lot of things about him that we just we just don't know and we just trust. So I just want to encourage you today just to trust in him, trust in his goodness. He is hearing your cry, no matter how bleak or dark or difficult it mm. seems to be right now. He does hear your cry, and he is at work. And you will see the goodness of God be revealed. You will see his work in ways that that you can't imagine but, right now. One of the things, too, is that, but to do is that, that yeah. God answers prayer many times in ways that we don't even expect. Right, but, but you know what? Answers to prayer come through an agreement with God. And if, you're, if part of you, your soul, is still believing... I am bad, I don't deserve, it's my fault, I'm guilty, 
I can't, I don't deserve any good thing from God. You are actually holding up. You're actually part of the resistance to your own prayer being answered because you're in agreement with a lie. Because you are not, you're looking at yourself, you're making it an issue of earning instead of grace and receiving. And so when you are having problems receiving an answer to prayer, um, you begin to say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit show me what are the lies I'm believing. What is the agreement I've made with unbelief or doubt or fear? Obviously, we all have temptations to doubt and unbelief. Every one of us, that's just the way it is. But what do you choose to do in spite of that? Do you choose to go with it or to reject it? So the Lord is, is looking at us and saying, um, agree with me. So when you're struggling to get, like, for example, um, people who have a lot of bad luck, after a while they're, they're trained by that spirit of bad luck to just receive and expect more bad luck. And it goes back to, I don't deserve good luck. I'm bad, I'm guilty, I'm not as good as I'm not loved. This is all, and it, this is all a lie. This is trying, the devil trying to get you to believe that God does not love you by proving to you God is mad at you because of all the bad luck. You don't deserve to have bad luck or, or tough breaks or car accidents or, or head injuries or uh, crises in your life any more than the bad guy deserves good things. We don't deserve anything. But God is not a respected person and he's not out to get you and he doesn't want you to agree with the lie. So therefore, we have to stop saying, okay, I'll never make it. Or, you know, it's, it's I'm bad, I'm, it's my fault, I'm not loved. I think feeling unloved, not knowing we're loved, is the biggest hindrance to answers to prayer. And people say it all the time. They say, I know Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me, tells me so. And that's the, the one thing, the simplest thing that people do not know that they know. How, how do you get to know that you know? You know it from the scriptures. Uh, you know you know it in your head. But as far as day to day, that inner knowing of the spirit—that's what the Holy Spirit brings to us. And uh-huh. as we, you get that through spending time in the Word of God and seeing, reading about God's goodness, reading about and understanding why God did the crazy. Uh, judgment, wrathful, bloody things that he did. Because if you don't understand why God did that, then you're going to still be confusing. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's mad some days, some days he's not. Maybe he's bipolar. I just don't know. You know. But we got to understand why God um, told him to kill all the Canaanites. Why God sent the flood. Why was God so, you know, draw the line here? And, and Because he was trying to protect us, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, going back to it's the, the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you feel not loved, not worthy, not good enough, um, and you, you're not convinced that God is good, then you go back to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, there's something wrong here because I have this issue. I seem to feel mad, bitter, un, uh, confused about why this is happening to me. Um, you don't need to be confused. There's only a couple of reasons why it's happening. One is that you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Possibly you're, you've, you're been programmed and God wants to deprogram you, bring you back into the, the recognition and the, um, operating, walking in your spirit, in the, in the spirit of God. Um, we could be also being, uh, you know, ch- tested, trained, qualified by these fiery trials. So it's, it's not always a matter of I've been bad and I'm being punished. Right. What, what? You know what? What is is are these things included with what some people refer to as bad luck? What bad, is, what, what what is bad luck? Bad luck really? does not exist. 
bad luck yeah. and good luck are demons that get you to believe there is such a notion as bad luck or good luck. And it's, then, a, it's a myth, really. It, it luck really is a myth. Well, coincidence is a myth. Luck is a myth. Accidents, they don't exist because by very definition of their nature, they would have to exist outside of God's sovereignty. They get to call their own shots and everything must submit to God. So God is aware of and in control of all things. And the devil, however, gets to make a lot of petitions to God. And he, has, he goes to court every day. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He goes there every day to make his cases against the people of God. And, you know, if he's got you agreeing with him, he brings that in as part of his evidence. God says, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he does believe you. He, he does have more fear than faith. Yeah, because you're operating in him and he's not resisted you. So the Bible is very clear. It says, submit to God. Resist the devil. Give no place to the devil. And he will flee from you. Yeah, uh, we invite you to give us a call tonight uh, regarding any question that you have or any of the things that we've been talking about or maybe another question. You can reach us here at Rescue Radio, 347-215-8051. Again, 347-215-8051. You know, a lot of times, honey, we can, there's so many things going on in the world right now, crazy things. Um, I just got an email or text from somebody a little bit ago that, you know, now they're talking about internationalizing Jerusalem, making Jerusalem a city that belongs to the world, you know, as opposed to the Jewish people. Uh, it seems so weird to me that this little sliver of Israel, I'm not, I'm not switching subjects, but, you know, just kind of bringing it back around, that this little piece of dirt ground, rocks, a About few the bodies. Size of New Jersey. Yeah, is sore spot in the whole earth. There's no other piece of ground that is so fought over, so contested, so bitterly disputed as this little tiny sliver of of dirt. Because why? Only one reason. Because there really is a war that is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Because there really is a God who says, This is my place. This is the one place that I put in my finger, this is my place. And the devil says, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's mine. Everything's mine. It's all mine. You can't have it. I am going to get it away from you, God. And, you know, I, I'm i not going to go into a lot of details about, you know, the Jews and Israel, you know, what's what and what's what. I pray for them. I bless them. It's a hot spot. But isn't it amazing that all of Jesus is coming again? By the way, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is coming back. Kind of all is contingent upon centered that's the center stage for what it is where he's going to show up where he's coming back to to, to begin his reign set up his reign and how it's all just kind of so quickly coming together um and at the at that point they say well why don't you talk about all these things why don't you talk about these you know these current events well because everybody else is talking about the current events Mm-hmm. Everybody else has got their two cents worth going on there, but nobody talks about the spiritual events that are internal that really are going to make the difference between where you're going to spend eternity. You know, we know that that piece of ground is going to get put back in God's kingdom and it's going to be, you know, straightened around and it's going to, you know, do what God says it's going to do. But what about you? What about your walk with God, your faith right now, the answers to prayer, the places where you're feeling stuck, the lies you believe? This is why we're talking about what we're talking about. So to begin with, if you're not getting your prayer answered, the very first thing I would say we need to do 
is to say, Holy Spirit, what's the lie I'm believing? What's the pattern here? If you look at your generational history and bloodline, you'll probably see this same pattern. You're, you're living, really living out again what was, what was already done in the generations before you. You're living out pretty much the same lifestyle, likes, dislikes, troubles, et cetera, et cetera, same pattern. Even though you might be resisting that, you know. Well, you might have tried to fix it, change it, deny it. You might try to fix it, it say, you know what, I'm never going to do that. what my dad did mm-hmm. or what my mom did. Or you might have tried to move away, you know, start mm-hmm. a new lifestyle, go to college, whatever. Just do something but different. There's, a same, there's a still a generational stream of patterns, of patterns that, mm-hmm. that are, are still with you unless you mm-hmm. really uh, break those off. Uh, well, how do you do the that? Power in the name of Jesus. Well, there's a big... Well, it's a it's a matter of confessing the iniquities of your well, mm-hmm. your fathers and the generations past. Identifying, yeah, and particular situations. What twenty? If you will confess your iniquity and the iniquity iniquity of your father, which is with you, fathers, which is with you. What's, what what verse are you quoting there? Uh, Leviticus twenty six thirty nine forty. Yeah, right in there. So that's one. That's something that that you can do. And also, if you would like to you know, contact uh, liferecovery.com, there are a whole mini series of, of uh, uh, tools that can really help you, the instructional tools, manuals, mm-hmm. CDs, uh, DVDs, wonderful, powerful biblical teaching that will help you understand and come into a, a place of, of freedom um, in, in your own life. Uh, Margie, why don't you mention about this? Uh, okay, well, there's a couple of them. Yeah, the one that we're talking about tonight them, is yeah. Answers to Prayer. And, you know, a lot of people get this is what a, they what, expect. This is a CD? This is a CD, yeah. Okay. And Answers to Prayer and then Obstacles to Receiving and Why Prayers Don't Get Answered. This is a two-disc two set. But, um, you know, a lot of people get what they expect, and they don't expect to get what they pray for. They don't expect it. They expect not to get it. And mm-hmm. so you get, you're getting... Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you receive. Yeah. And you shall have. And I think if we... The Bible says, too, if you delight yourself in God, He will give you the desires of your heart. And I think people get stuck on that. They, we, It's God first. He's our portion. He takes care of us. He is really into daily bread. Very good, very gracious. And a lot of times you, you're getting through. God's taking you through. And you have no idea how you got through. You're just here. You're still here through the scrapes and the bruises and the crushing and the this and the that, but you're still here following God, serving God. That is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. Another one of our, our um, recent uh, tools that we've developed is called Diagnosing Your Family Tree, and that's a manual. It's really good. It talks about discovering the patterns, and it also talks in there about what patterns, um, what sins, what agreements will produce what symptoms um, or consequences Specific things, Physi- physical symptoms, right? For example, um, this symptoms. is you know, for example, like people who have a lot of trouble with their backs, back aches, back, back pain, um, uh, injuries to their backs, etc., or their necks. A lot of times, they have in their bloodline a spirit of witchcraft and rebellion. Now, witchcraft doesn't mean you have a witch in no. your family. It means that your spirit, your people are. Uh, rebellious in that they're they're believing the lie. I have to do it myself. It's up to me. I have to take control. Controlling because beca- people take control because of fear, and fear comes out of not believing, not so, receiving. So this whole concept to hear about taking control of your life, taking control mm-hmm. of your health, that's really a, there's a spirit of witchcraft. It's a, a spirit form of rebellion. Of witchcraft yeah. and rebellion. Total self-reliance. 
Mm-hmm. Self-reliance is a is reliance a demonic self, concept. Reliance on God. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's a, you know an American uh, characteristic maybe, but it's 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 godless because he says depend upon me, rely upon me, trust in me, and so you see a lot of the times when we're up against our prayers not getting answered. First, we have to break the patterns and the demons, the familiar spirits that are carrying those patterns down from one generation to the next and working them. A lot of times we've also made vows, like I'll never do that again or I'll never be like that. And when you make any kind of a vow, there's a demon that goes with that vow and he, he intends to keep, hold you to the vow. So when you try to get out of it or change or do something different, that demon is there to make sure that you do not get free from that vow that you make because he's going to hold you to the words of your mouth. So you have to confess the vow as a sin. God, Jesus said, don't make vows. Don't make oaths. Don't do this. Don't make pledges. That's kind of against people who make these pledges to this and that. Um, you know, if you're going to give, give. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But don't make vows, promises. You yes, be yes, and you're no, no. That's right. Because if it's any, Jesus says, if it's more than that, it's from the evil one. So the evil one can get in there and create all kinds of trouble. So a lot of times people's answers or lack of their answers, it says, um, if we regard iniquity in our heart, God will not hear us. So this is, it's not that God isn't hearing us, that he can't hear. He's all of a sudden become deaf. But the iniquity has, yeah, go ahead. Can I read that scripture and then you can jump into that? I've got it right here, hon. Oh, wow, Uh, you're thinking ahead of me. Okay. What is it? Where is it found? Psalm 66. Uh, 16 through 20, and then you can, I'll read it in the New King James, and you can uh, find it and read it in the Amplified. He says, um, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Um, I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Because read okay, that in, 16. Uh, Psalm 66, 16 through 20. Amplified. Come and hear, all you who reverently and worshipfully fear God. And I will declare what he has done for me. Exclamation point. I cried aloud to him. He was extolled and high praise was under my tongue. In other words, this guy didn't ask you for something, but he came in first reverently worshiping, praising God, not murmuring, complaining, and repeating the problem 20 different ways. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But certainly God has to me. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. See, in Job, they were trying to establish Job's iniquity, and that's why God wasn't hearing him. That the friends were trying to say, well, you've sinned. And that's why God's not hearing you. But here he's saying, but certainly God has heard me. He has given his voice to my prayer. Blessed be God who has not rejected my prayer, nor removed his mercy and loving kindness from being as it, is always, as it always is with me. From being with me. So God's loving kindness is always with us. And this is how the guy comes into the, come boldly before the throne of grace and mercy to find help in time of trouble. That's Hebrews chapter I got to read that one too. It's right on the. I, that's so accurate with, with what we're talking about. Um, right. It, come boldly before the throne. Verse 16. Mercy. Yeah. And, and hold on. Grace to help. In, well, it's verse 14. Um, 15. For we do not have a high priest, that would be Jesus, who is unable to. Not, 
understand and sympathize and have a, and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liabilities to the assaults of temptation. But one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sin. So in other words, Jesus feels for us. He gets it. He's been there, done that, had the temptations. Let us then fearlessly, because he already understands that God knows my heart, God knows the problem, let us fear, then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, throne, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good times for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. So when you come into the throne of God mercy boldly um, and you praise him and you're confident and you come not wavering and you come knowing that this is what God's will is and this is what he wants and you come boldly uh, because of his goodness, not because we're good, but because we come fearlessly, confidently because God knows and understands and he's been there, done that. You come to present your case with that kind of a confidence and boldness and assurance. You will have a lot better success at getting what you need than the person who comes whining. And you know, a lot of times when we, when we pray, well, all we do, all we do, and this is a trick, all we do is pray the problem again. We give God, we pray the whole problem to God again as if he doesn't know it. And all we end up doing is reconfirming to ourselves how hopeless, how it's never going to change, how impossible it is, how, what's the use, I give up. And then we go away. We don't even sit and listen for God's answer. We just pray the problem and then we're up and well, we think there, we've prayed. This is some, this is as if God doesn't know it already. Right, right. And, and I've, I've been to a lot of prayer meetings where that's what's going on. We're, we're, we're explaining the problems to God right. that he already knows about. It's like, I mean, it's really it's insulting to the Lord. <laughs> well, it's a waste of time because it wears, it wears us out. I mean, and what it, it really does is I mean, it causes okay us to not to, want to pray. It's okay to, to bring, say, okay, here, Lord, do you see this and this is going on, this is going on. But just to go over and what did over Jesus and do over that? with it. When he was, God, Father, look at this man covered with leprosy. Father, how, you, you can understand. He didn't do that. He didn't go on. He didn't do on, any of that. He on. just said, what do you want? I, I, I'm willing. Be healed. It's over. Right. Devil and, go. And it gets, if, you, if you're just rehearsing the problem constantly, you're just going to get worn out. Uh, di- worn out and discouraged yeah. and say, oh. But here's the deal. If people will start praying like this and said, you know what, Father God, I'm the servant. This is what you've called me to do. This is what's going on right here. I, I believe that you're good. You want to get justice here. This is wrong. I confess the iniquity. I confess any judgments I made against this person. I forgive them. I release them from my judgment. I turn the crime that they committed against me against you over to you. Let you be the judge of it. And Lord, I am asking you to change the situation. Uh, then ask what you what the Holy Spirit's laying on your heart to ask. I ask that this trouble will be will cease. That the people's eyes will be open. That you'll give favor to the right person. That you'll remove this obstacle, that this disease will be driven out. Um, I refuse to participate in the reasonable arguments of the devil against me in this matter. Just say stuff like that. Open your mouth, go to God boldly, and start talking. Instead of whining and murmuring and complaining, say, I refuse, Father God, to agree with the devil's arguments against me in this matter. Lord, you know the truth. You know my heart. You know the lies he set up. And I cancel out any agreements I have made knowingly or 
consciously or unconsciously, with this lie. I cancel them out and I declare you are my defender, my deliverer, my healer. It is time for you to act, Lord God. And we quit whining and wimping around here. I mean, there are times when we are to be tested. And when that happens and God says, not yet, not now, then God is going to give you grace to go on and go forward and keep going. And, you know, thy will be done, oh God. But make sure that's not the cop out. You know, a lot of people, they're praying for people because they're giving God a way out and for a way for them to look at this, say, thy will be done. Well, maybe it wasn't God's will. Maybe it wasn't. You know what? How do you know what God's will is? Because you have, if God's will is for God to be glorified and his word to be fulfilled. And I've, I've met a lot of people that obvious, it becomes obviously that they're, obvious that they're not doing the will of God. But they'll say, I prayed about it. And then they go off and do oh, what they Oh, a lot of people pray about a lot of things. They, they the devil pray thinks. about it, but they, they don't wait for the answer. Well, and they pray and people hear or, or perceive. So, well, I prayed about it. It sounds like a spiritual thing. And then they decided to do it. You know, I prayed about robbing the bank and I just, you know. I felt it did. was. I mean, okay. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes people, it's almost that way. I've seen mm-hmm. where people will. Well, if you're praying about something and you believe you prayed about it and the answer came and the answer is giving you permission to blatantly. The question I want to ask is, break what, okay, God's you prayed law. about it, but what did the Lord speak to you about? Well, what you know, you a lot of times people, they'll pray about something and somehow they're praying about it justifies them breaking the law of love. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you know, if you prayed about staying mad at your neighbor and staying bitter and holding a grudge, I don't care what, who you prayed to or what you prayed, you did not hear from God because God says forgive, God says love, God says let go. And a lot of people, by the way, your prayers aren't getting answered because you are still holding bitterness in your heart and resentment. You are still believing a lie. You are still judging someone. At least the devil is, is claiming that you're judging them. So the way that you get by with get out of that accusation is forgive them out loud. Father, I forgive my mother, my father, my brother, my sister. I release them from my judgment for the crimes they have committed to, against me under the influence of the evil one. I turn these crimes and the pain and the, and the, and the hurt and the loss and the shame and the reproach that it's causing me. I turn those things over to you, Lord God. And I'm asking you now to restore unto me justice, truth, mercy, righteousness, everything that's been stolen from me, because the devil is such a thief. And as long as he can, he will steal, but he will set us up in opposition to ourselves because he makes all of his arguments so incredibly reasonable. Now, the, the, the context here is dealing in, in Matthew 18, uh, the portion that we're looking at here. The context is dealing with uh, a, a person who is uh, willfully sinning, within the church and, and how to uh, speak to them, you know, go tell them his fault and mm-hmm. how, to, how to deal with correction and settling these issues. But there's a principle in here along with that that's worth uh, noting in Matthew 18:19, And Jesus said, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, there's a, there's a power. What about, uh, let's talk about this for a bit. What about, and again, if you have a question right. or comment, we'd love to have your call. Uh, the number is 347-215-8051. Again, please give us a call. 
347-215-8051. And thank you for listening, by the way, all of you who listen live and those of you who are taking time to join us through the archives. We thank you for joining us and listening. And also, um, continue to stay with us. Tell others about this. This is We've got little time here to spread the good news of Jesus Christ around the world, and Rescue Radio can do that for people. So, um, yeah. What about you know this with a point of agreement? It says any two of you agree on earth as concerning anything that they ask, it shall be done for you of Father which is in heaven. Uh-huh. Um, that's a promise. That's a promise. So, what about the idea of agreement in prayer with two? Or more, and uh, the agreement with uh, uh, the you know in a in a group setting. Well, my thought about that is really you know you can have two people standing there look, looking like they're agreeing with you on something, and they're they're dreaming about their pot roast or whatever they're doing. They're not there. They're not with you. They're not you know. It was the compassion of Jesus that you know made the difference. He looked on them with compassion and was touched with their infirmities. He healed them. Um, okay, we have a question from Atlanta. How about that? We'll just hold, put this on pause and we'll get back to that. Hello. Hi. Hey, how are you? Um, my name is Q from Atlanta. I have a quick question in regards to something you said about 20 minutes ago. Okay. Um, so the premise is that, um, uh, like in my personal thing, uh, going to church, reading, doing all these things, and right after the recession, I get hit with plague number one, plague number two, plague number three. Mm-hmm. And it seems like every time I weathered this little storm, here comes another one to set me back. So uh got a little disheartened with God, uh, not mad or anything, just Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I, 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 I'm not in in an understanding of what's going on mm-hmm. uh, because of setback after setback after setback after setback, mm-hmm. and so now that's driven me further away from church participation, mm-hmm. uh, reading because it seems like it's all been futile because it keeps going back, back, and no matter how much I believe or speak the words or Mm-hmm. It, it seems to go back. So your mm-hmm. your premise is uh, this is a test, a proving ground. A can you elaborate? Absolutely. Well, first of all, what was your first name again? Q. Q. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, the, the thing is, first of all, there's a lot of things. This is very common, especially for believers. The devil knows how to reward his own people by keeping them, uh, you know, kind of sedated and in a a safety place where there's not anything bad going on, so they just don't wake up. They're kind of slumbering. Whereas the real warriors are the ones he begins to resist, and those are also the ones that God is uh, qualifying. So Satan is contending and contesting God's workmanship in you and saying, I can break him. Just let me have Adam. And, you know, with Job and with various other great men in the Bible, um, Satan was always there to, you know, try to uh, take them out, take them down, destroy them. And God was there to perfect that which concerns them. And I must die, I must decrease, he must increase. But the other thing that becomes a problem is when we get beat down and down and down constantly, like Paul says, we're crushed 
you know, uh, uh, but perplexed, crushed, you know, but not destroyed. Another thing that happens is we we become trained by this constant battering to believe, wait, just wait, the next shoe's going to fall. It's just a matter of time. Here it comes again. Da, 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 da. So you have to begin to listen to what you're saying and and even begin to listen to and articulate in your mind what you're hearing, what you're thinking, and take captive every thought and make it subject to the obedience of Christ. We kind of haven't hit that part of it yet, but I think it's a good time right now. How do we uh, overcome, what do we do in this in this matter of trials? So first of all, the first thing um, is to know that God is good and that he loves you. He is not unaware at all of what's going on in your life. He's totally aware of it. And he will take us sometimes to the within the wire, the hair's breadth of our life, the skin of our teeth, as Job says. But God is that big of a God that he can actually do that and pull it off and, and spare our lives and, and bring us into a place of rich fulfillment. There's a lot of psalms. You, the great man, everyone, Joseph, prison, in prison for years and years and years for something he didn't do. Um, uh, David, years and years and years, chased around the wilderness, even after he was anointed king, um, you know, hunted down. Moses hunted down years and years, 40 years in the, in the wilderness. All this was to prove not that he was not that he was unqualified, but to prove that he was qualified. That he was prepared to do it. So number one, you have to through the discipline of the Holy Spirit. That's what you really, let this face. Let the Holy Spirit face these trials for you. Holy Spirit, what you want me to do? What's going on here? This is not my problem. I think that's something you should learn to say. This is not my problem. This is your problem, Lord God. You're the one who's permitted it. You have a purpose in it. I am your servant. So we take captive every thought and make it subject to the obedience of Christ, to the word of God. Uh, I think that's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 10, 5, uh, verse 4 and 5. I will look it up. Anyway, so you take captive every thought and say, wait, wait a minute. What am I thinking? What am I saying? Because your soul is going to start murmuring and complaining. It's really a demon inside of you. Even though you're a believer, these demons have programmed our souls, our minds, wills, and emotions to uh, start saying things that we assume are our own thoughts and feelings. I'm stupid. I'm never going to make it. Life's hard. I give up. This isn't fair. Where's God? I, you know, I quit. Um, God doesn't care. Just little things like that. I have to do it myself. Can't trust God. You know, I'm mad at God. Whatever. Blah blah blah. So you you start writing those things down. And say, wait a minute. Who says that? Who's? Where's this from? Is this statement from heaven or is it from hell? Now. There's only two sources. There are two kingdoms, heaven and hell. I don't have a kingdom, so the church kind of teaches us, well, it's just my flesh and this and that and the other thing. And that's bogus. There is, you know, my flesh is fearfully and wonderfully made, but my flesh is also weak because I need water, I need food, I need air, I need right air pressures, uh, temperatures to live. And so any place I'm vulnerable, I'm also weak and susceptible to the devil putting pressure on me to tempt me to do something contrary to God. Like, for example, if I'm starving, he tempts me to steal food, you know, whatever. So I'm taking captive every thought, making it subject to the obedience of Christ. I know that God is good and that He that and numbers and that all things work together for good to those who love God. Um, and then I focus on His goodness and not on my lack. You know th- these things. And also, if you look at your bloodline, um, you're going to find out that whatever's going on with you, most often, I mean, this is rare that it's not this that people in your bloodline, your parents, grandparents, have also suffered very similar setbacks or the root 
lie, an, an agreement underneath the setback is the same, even though the outer circumstances may appear a, a little bit differently. Um, so you want to begin to say, Lord, what are the lies that my generations have agreed with? What are the iniquities? What are the, the things that we practice? Um, of course you're forgiven. Of course God loves you. Of course it's under the blood. But if Satan can get you to not think that, not know that, and not appropriate the blood of Jesus in the situation, he can get you to make you believe, well, somehow it's still my fault. So once Jesus died on the cross, we are free, but that freedom comes through an appropriation of the freedom of saying, you know what, I'm free. I am free. Whom the Son is free is free. Not going to be free is free. And devil, you're trespassing. Back off. And so then after you've kind of looked through those agreements, you say, you find something, you say, okay, my, my people, they were fearful. My people trusted in themselves. My people, uh, you know, murmured. They gossiped. There's, there's consequences to certain sins. Um, like we were talking just a second ago, like witchcraft, rebellion, or back problems a lot of times. Everything in the, in the body physically uh, starts out as a spiritual problem. All the ailments start out as a spiritual fear, stress, anxiety, um, dis- discouragement, uh, you know, all these things create havoc in our physical bodies as well. And, and it can be in your finances, it can be in your relationships. So when you find the agreements that you made with the liar, then you cancel them out. You say, I cancel out the agreement with fear or misfortune or bad luck. I command the spirit of bad luck to leave me, submit to Jesus Christ. Um, I command you to go to the pit. I cast you out, whatever words you want to use. You identify the demons who are behind these um, these calamities and troubles, because if you're serving God in that, and, and see, then the devil says, "Oh, you're not going to church." It's not about going to church; it's about following Jesus. And yes, people do get discouraged and don't read their Bibles because they know that every time they read the Bible, they get slammed more. Well, then the devil's going to teach you not to read your Bible. You're going to read your Bible. He's not. The devil doesn't get to call the shots here. You do. And you want the right thing. Paul says, if I am doing, Romans seven twenty, if I am doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. So if you're doing what you don't want to do, let's say you want to read the Bible and you're not reading the Bible, then it's not you not reading the Bible. It's a demon discouragement that's trying to hold you back and tell you you don't want to read the Bible. Say, shut up. I want to read the Bible. I don't have to read the Bible. I don't have to go to church. I want to. There's a difference between have to and want to. And the devil may say, well, you're not very close to God. God's mad at you. You need to get closer to God. You know what? I need to get closer to God is a lying spirit. You can't get any closer to God. God's, he's, his Holy Spirit is inside of you. You're a believer, and you're in God's, God's presence everywhere. So God's in you, and you're immersed in God. How much closer to God can you get? You can't get any closer. So when the devil tells you, you need to get closer to God, and that's why you're having all this trouble, He's just trying to lay a guilt trip on you so that he can get you to agree, I'm guilty, bad, and I deserve to be punished, so then he can bring his demonic judgment upon you. I think your big issue is feeling guilty about something that has been forgiven, but the devil is bringing up an old issue and getting you to agree with, I am guilty, I did something wrong. We all do stuff wrong. You know why we do it wrong? Because we believe lies. Why do we believe lies? Because the devil makes us sound like the truth. Who's the liar? The devil. Who's the deceiver? The devil. Who's the devil? When God says to Eve, what's going on here? She said, the serpent deceived me. And that was exactly right. The serpent deceives us. So we want to focus on God's goodness and then thank him. You know, really, truly, even if you can't feel it, you just go through that. You By an act of faith, I thank you, God, for taking away this thing, for breaking this curse. 
you may have curses on you too. Sometimes people uh, are under curses by the words of other people. Jealousy in other people's mouths turns to bitterness or curses, and you need to forgive them. And if, if you don't know who it would be that would be cursing you, you, you just say, Father God, any word that's spoken against me, uh, I, bless the, I bless my enemy, I bless that person, uh, and I forgive them, and I command that those words that they've spoken, those actions, those words, that they be covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, that they fall to the ground and that the devil can't touch them. Because, you know, though, then it's dealt with. The devil, you know, this is just a battle, and the devil is hoping that, that he can get us because of our ignorance in our own authority that we have in God. Jesus has given us power over all the power of the enemy. That's not being arrogant. That's just being a fact. Okay. Um, and allow the Holy Spirit to reset you or to, to deprogram your mind. And we, that's done through the transformation through the Word of God and also to ask the Lord to get, bring you to the place of rest and peace um, and to know that God is able. He's able. If, he, if God doesn't do what he's promised to do, exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask a thing, he is a liar. Now, I'm not ready to call God a liar, and I'm sure he's not ready to take on that personality trait. So the devil is trying to make God look like a liar. Faith says, I believe God no matter what it looks like because the devil's a liar. So we live faithfully and humbly and thankfully without murmuring. And all those who live godly in Christ Jesus are, are going to suffer some hardship. The cost of discipleship, of course, is to die, die to yourself and deny yourself and follow him. So the devil makes his arguments in your mind. He makes them sound reasonable, logical. He makes faith sound stupid, impossible. And then he tries to get us to, to go with our emotions, our experiences, and the opinions of others and the lies. Like, for example, it's never going to change. Okay. What, what, what do you have to say to what I've just said? You have just dumped a whole lot of stuff on you. I'm actually just absorbed it. Um, i say about 40% of it is something I've already thought. Um, mm-hmm. The other part the other part is, um, i say about another 10% is somewhat of a confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um and in this moment right now, I'm kind of leaning to the fact of <clears throat> the agreement part of what mm-hmm. you both were speaking of and reintroducing that thought. Because I, I do understand everything is a mind shift toward mm-hmm. uh, a mind shift away or a mind shift toward. So um, that's that's mm-hmm. why I'm trying to find some solace in, in, in that. Um yeah. So, so, well, well, so I, 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 I do, I, I do agree. In, in, in yeah. That. Well, the application is pretty simple. Let's, if you want to, um, I'll just ask the Lord. Jesus said, "My sheep know my voice." So I'll ask the Lord to show you. You be thinking of the particular um, situation that you're up against or you're in right now. Just be, be Lord, bring that one to your mind so that you'll be thinking about that, whatever it is, and then ask Jesus Christ to show you what is the uh, lie that fear is telling you about that situation. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for my brother, and I'm asking you right now, because you did say, my sheep, know my voice, to show him, to bring to his mind what is the lie fear tells him uh, about this situation uh, with this pattern of trouble. What is the lie that fear tells you? 
what comes to your mind. And I bind every spirit that would hide or block the revelation of that truth. Amen. So what, what's coming to your mind, sir? Um, what does fear say? Fear says what? I what? You know, I'm the afraid. only thing that really comes is, is, is the word doubt. Um, okay. The only thing that really All right. comes. So what does doubt tell you? What's the lie that doubt is telling you? Feel the feeling. Um, kind of like, like what you kind of like what you said earlier. Uh, the well, twofold. Either that is uh, uh, some family connection bloodline has happened before type of scenario, which I mm-hmm. have identified elements of that prior mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. and um, or and the doubt that um, it's going to happen again type of mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of thing. Because I think. My, oh, uh, mm-hmm. I think prior to this conversation, my soul has been so weary on it's mm-hmm. going to happen again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, well, you, know, you can, here's the like, deal. That's fear of the pattern repeating itself. But your spirit already knows that the pattern has repeated several times. And so the devil says, and it's going to happen again because you can't figure it out. But the thing is, you don't need to figure it out. You just see what's happening. The devil is bringing... See, a lot of people don't even believe in the devil, so that's their problem, number one. But it's happened before. So go back to the ideas that the Lord has already brought to your spirit about this thing happening before, the circumstances under which it happened. And can you hear me clear enough? Yeah, I can. Okay. So you said there were some things in your bloodline that you had identified where this had happened before. Um, and... Now, Lord, what were the lies that those people believed? So, my brother, what were the lies those people believed? I think they believed in um, looking at my father and his father before them. I think they they, they really believed in uh, self-seeking, selfishness, uh, mm-hmm. uh, pleasure first before dedication mm-hmm. or commitment. Um, I, I think those were their mm-hmm. their one word associations in in some of the things that at least I know of that they participated in and around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were, in a way, they were believing they were self seeking pleasure first. So actually, they were in pain because they wanted to relieve that pain with some pleasure and they were fearful seeking to protect themselves first so they were afraid so it's a pain and fear i would say afraid that if they didn't take care of themselves if they didn't put themselves first then what if they didn't do that then what uh, I think that uh, just looking at my father and some of the conversations i had with him last we spoke um, I, you know, uh, I feel that what I deal with currently, I'm a bit mm-hmm. stronger than those two were, mm-hmm. uh, because I think they had more of the, I have to run away and, okay. and find some type of identity. Mm-hmm. I, I've kind of just been dealing with it. Um, some, some of my adversities, okay. uh, but, um, nevertheless, but- you know, it's, it's so they they were trying to find an identity. Is that what you're saying? 
I believe so. I believe that okay. um I, I, I believe that people sometimes in general uh tend to gravitate to hide behind things mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to deal with deal them. With I do them. understand Absolutely. that uh, okay. All spirituality uh, is or or should be uh, a a form of discipline for your mm-hmm. spirit, behavior, outlook, thought process. Right, um, but at the same time, the discipline has to come from the Holy Spirit because otherwise we're just wiped out because we're no match for the rigorous demands of religion and perfection and be good and try harder and never enough. It's just something we've covered in other broadcasts. But going back to your, your your family, your father, the identity, their lack of identity, their lack of confidence, they're hiding, they're avoiding, not wanting to deal with things. Put the you know put them on another track, more of a self-seeking, pleasure-filled track. You are saying you're you're kind of opting for the opposite, and I will have to be strong, and I will have to be disciplined, right? Right. Okay, so in your attempt to be strong and disciplined, what has happened? Lord, show him what has happened. You've kind of you've kind of um, uh, uh, reacted to their casual, you know, pleasureful seeking of self to the opposite, being strong, disciplined. What has happened to you as a result of trying to be strong and disciplined? What's happened? Uh, as far as I see, is I, I see more. Well, well, you know. Let me let me start with the positive. Um, in in doing that, I've unfortunately think I've taken on more adversity. Okay. Uh, and why do you do like, that? Like, well, you, you know, I, it it was so so odd. Um, I think I'm at a place now more humble. These are the positives. Mm-hmm. More mm-hmm. humble, mm-hmm. Uh, more uh, patient, mm-hmm. um, more controlled in in what I say, how I say it. Um, the negatives are uh, I've had to take on a lot of financial instability, financial setbacks things that are not uh, in my control, and the particulars really don't matter because I know yeah. those are mm-hmm. semantics, but mm-hmm. it, it's just that I I don't see, I, I'm struggling to see the wisdom in, in, in my Father and in, in my Lord and these out-of-the-blue scenarios. I mean, scenarios just out-of-the-blue. Well, <laughs> okay, well, yeah, and I can I kind of hear what you're saying, but... Remember, you have agreed. The agreement you're making is with, as I understand it, I've got to be strong and disciplined, and I've taken on more adversity, which is more burden, and it's particularly in the area of financial, you know, carrying backings, you know, setbacks and things that hit you. So basically, if I have to do that, I have to take on more of this be strong and disciplined then then it's about me, it's up to me, and I am wearing out, I'm tired, I am not, don't have deep enough pockets for these out-of-the-blue adversities. So there isn't a, a lot of rest 
And, there, you know, it, really, you did it, maybe you did it out of the kindness of your heart, out of a way to help, out of something for some reason other than selfishness. But what does Jesus Christ want you to know? What is the truth he wants you to know right now about having to take on all of these adversities and all of these financial burdens and instabilities? What does Jesus Christ, Son of God, show my brother what is the truth you want him to know? First of all, what was the lie that he believed, Lord God? What's the lie? What comes to your mind? Okay, when we when you say what is the lie, I, I would go back to one of your earlier conversations on mm-hmm. um, uh, the giving the giving the giving over to God. Uh, there's a there's been a disconnect there. Uh, mm-hmm. since a lot of these tragedies um, because um, when I was giving everything over, you know, we didn't have all these tragedies. <laughs> and, then, and then the moment, you know, and maybe it's a testing mechanism, maybe it's a proofing ground, I, I don't I don't understand. But um, it's like just, you know, I, I so so to answer your question directly, what's coming to mind is the giving to giving over to God. Is I, I think that's the reason for my call tonight. I think that's the that's the roadblock that I have. No, no the I giving over to God. The, do you mean by by giving over to God? Do you mean you didn't give the situation over to God, and then the tragedies came because you didn't give it? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying I did give it over, and then the tragedy mm-hmm. came. Okay. You gave and, over and, to God. And so the devil's trying to get you to believe that because you gave things to God, now you're in trouble. Right. Okay. And Jesus says that's the lie. And obviously you already know in your spirit that's a lie. Because giving things to God doesn't make us eligible for tragedies. It makes us eligible for attack, persecution, um, something from the devil, but not from God. So these things are not from God. Is that correct? These tragedies, God has permitted them because the devil has some arguments that he's, uh, you know, waging against. I can receive that. I can receive that. So, So, therefore, the lie was that somehow... This has become uh, a, a result of my trusting God. What's the truth, then, that Jesus wants you to know? Son of God, show my brother, what's the truth you want him to know about these tragedies and troubles? What is the truth? Where are they from? Why? What's going on? And how are they going to be fixed? And I bind every spirit that would block it. So what comes to your mind? I think that there really needs to be a, uh, uh, and I thought this earlier today as well, but I think there really needs to be a rededication of my spirit and my uh, actions toward uh, God as a whole and, and what I believe and I need to reintroduce Matter of fact, yeah, you know, I can I can definitely try that as well. I need to reintroduce the fire that I once had. Well, wait a minute. For... Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. You don't need to try anything. You need to stop trying and 
abide, be, and say, Holy Spirit, you live in me, you deal with these problems, you reintroduce the fire, I'm your servant, it's not about me, I can't do this, I can do all things through Christ, without him I can do nothing, and I'm not going to try anymore. I'm not going to try to control it. I'm not going to try to be strong. I'm not going to try to be disciplined. I'm not going to be try to be different than my father. I'm not going to, um, you know, make any judgments against why he did what he did. He was in pain. I forgive him. And Lord, this is your problem. These are your problems. And guilt would say, well, you chose. You made the choice. And you can say back to guilt, shut up. You are the one who lied. And, and then you can say, Jesus, does Jesus Christ know your heart in this matter? Does he know your heart, even though the devil's... Oh, yeah, I, I, would, I, I would agree that, yes. Okay, so if, if Jesus Christ knows your heart, then would Jesus Christ be willing to lift these burdens off you and take the problem on himself? Would he be willing to take this burden uh, and work with it, deal with it for you? I believe so. I do, I do believe so. Okay. Yeah. So let's ask him if he would. Lord Jesus, Son of God, you said my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and my brother has some heavy burdens, things that have been kind of coming after him in patterns and waves. Lord God, would you be willing to avert the storms, remove the tragedies, the difficult consequences? Would you be willing, Lord God, to pick up this matter and take care of it for him? And what do you know? Would Jesus Christ be willing to do that for you? What does he say? What do you know in your spirit? Amen. Um, I do. Is he willing to do it? If he's willing to do it now, we've got to finish the transaction. If he's willing to do it, Lord Jesus, what would you be willing to give my brother in exchange for him letting you carry his burdens and fix these situations? Mm. What would Jesus Christ want to give you? What comes to your mind? Peace and, and okay. uh, better future. Peace, peace hope, and a Okay. Yeah. And so does that sound like a fair trade? You give him the problem, he gives you peace and a, and a future and a hope? Yes, that is a fair trade. Well, then, Father trade. God, we agree. The deal is done. You said whatever we bind on earth Amen. is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And so we, we agree that the deal is done, that my brother receives peace, and, and a future and hope and deliverance from this burden and that the enemy be bound and be exposed by the light of your truth, that the lies he's been telling to promote these t- this fear and the, and the doubt of it happening again. Let's cancel out that agreement. Say this with me, if you will. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I come before you. I come before you. To cancel out every agreement. Cancel out every agreement. I have made with doubt. I have made with doubt. And fear. And fear. Of this thing happening again. Of this thing happening again. Because it's happened before. Because it's happened before. I cancel out those agreements. I cancel out those agreements. Because I declare. Because I declare. That you are a faithful God. That you are a faithful God. And that all things work together for good. And all things work together for good. Those who love God. Those For those who love God. 
and are called according to his purpose. And are called according to his purpose. And that you are working in these situations. That you are working in these situations. To will and to do of your good pleasure. To will and to do of your pleasure. And to bless me. And to bless me. And I agree with you. And I agree with you. I ask you now to remove every curse. I ask you now to remove every curse. Including the generational patterns of iniquity. Including the generational patterns of iniquity. That the enemy has been using. That the enemy has been using. To torment my life. To torment my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I agree, and you said if two or three agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done. Both Jerry and I agree that it is done according to the will of God, and we just bless you, and we bless you with wisdom and peace and a renewed hunger for the Word of God. And may, as you read the Word of God, you begin to feel it nourishing you, strengthening you, and may the Holy Spirit begin to make you strong and give you eyes to see what's been going on and ears to hear and a heart to understand. Amen. And also, we thank you so much for joining us, too, and for this is a wonderful question. Now, if you have any other questions, we I, you can email me uh, at mcole, C-O-L-E, at liferecovery.com if you have any more questions or you want to continue this discussion. Um, and then M, also... M-C-O-L-E, mm-hmm. at com. Yeah, and then it also you'll see, uh, uh, go to my our website, liferecovery.com, and you'll mm-hmm. find all kinds of books and manuals and CDs and all kinds of things on these subjects. I actually do this work. This is the work I do. I, I counsel. I work with people with generational curses and troubles, and I've done this for years and years and years, and so I have a lot of material on this. So if it's been a blessing to you, I helped you, we, we're glad for that, and um if you want to get more, then you can give me a quick call or email me, and we'll stay in, in connection. Um, anything else Absolutely. you want to say or ask? No, uh, I, I'm going to follow up. Uh, I, I feel rejuvenated in our conversation and our prayer. Um, I just want to thank you guys for taking your, your valuable time to lend back to the world this this these, uh, these Oh, thank you for listening. So, yeah. yeah. I appreciate it. So I'll yeah, go back God to bless you. Yeah. Amen. Join us again next week or whenever you can, sir. Yes. Thank you, brother, for listening. God bless you. All right. Take care. Have a good night. Okay. Bye. All right, dear. Well, what do you got to say? I got to talk a lot. Now it's your turn. Well, I think we're going about time to wind up here for for this evening. But would it be okay if I just read a portion of scripture about a a prayer meeting? A prayer meeting. Yeah. Mm Oh, yeah. Sure. It's one of the I guess it's probably the uh, first recorded prayer meeting and the when the church was just getting going mm-hmm. back uh, back in the day back in the day <laughs> and it's in Acts chapter four and this is this is really a I would say a, a, a good pattern for corporate prayer where mm-hmm. people are praying as a group mm-hmm. or you know husband husbands and wives playing or praying or or people are greeting and playing is praying, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you're in, whatever context you're praying. Mm-hmm. Now there was a threat here. They said Peter and John had gotten arrested. They, it was this, uh, 
uh, lame man that had gotten healed at the beautiful gate of the temple. And uh, uh, they, they, people got all upset about it, and they arrested Peter and John, and they said, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And they, they, uh, they released them, and they went to, their, to the church, mm-hmm. to the people who were serving Jesus with them, and this is what happens, and I think this is a good way Wait to uh, conclude for this evening. Okay. So Acts chapter 4, verse 23, Being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, and who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the heathen rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined to be done. He says, now Lord, look on their threats. In other words, they're bringing the situation before the Lord. Look on their threats and grant to your service that with, servants that with all boldness they may speak your word Amen. by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so, what an answer. They prayed. They acknowledged the greatness. They brought the situation before God, acknowledging his greatness. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for the will of God to be done. And they the were kingdom bold, of God to come. Uh, and so, that's how Jesus They were not double-minded. They were not double-minded. They said, you know, they were praying, really. They Confidently. were praying, your kingdom come, your will be done mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus said and, to pray. And, and they were asking according to the will and... Yeah. They, what, what was the results? Yeah, the results. The place was shaken. Mm-hmm. They were filled mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So, yes, Lord. Praise God. So, we thank you very much for uh, joining us tonight, and let's just pray together here one more time. Father, we thank you so much tonight for everyone that's uh, listened to us live or that may be listening to us uh, uh, on the archive. We God, we pray for victory. We pray for answers to prayer. Mm-hmm. We pray for encouragement for those that would be discouraged, those that have been waiting, those that have been praying, Great those that have been wondering Father. and maybe wandering a bit. Lord, I pray that they will keep their focus on you and trust you that mm-hmm. the answer is coming. Yes. God, that they, 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 that we that they will trust in your goodness, in your love and your mercy, in your timing. Lord God, you do hear our cry. You are answering our prayers. And we thank you, Father God. Help us to clearly discern your will. And let us pray powerfully according to your will. And then wait with joy and, and for the answers. We thank you so much now for this time together now. We ask it, Father, in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And for those of you who live locally... We're having family camp. Don't forget, mark your calendars, July 25th, 6th, and 7th. It's uh, the last weekend in July. Starts on a Friday night. 
about 6.30 with Ruben David, and uh, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, and then 6, 6.30 in the evening, and Sunday morning services right here. Uh, you can check out our website for the details, liferecovery.com or truelightchurchmn.org. And uh, you, it's, it's a free camp, but you have to register. So give us a call, and hope to see you there. Thank you for joining us. Good night. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.